Hey, you're listening to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and so want to make Him the centre of our lives, our community and our world. We're going to learn how to do that right now as we sit down and unpack Sunday's sermon. Well, hello, hello, hello. It's that time of the week again is, where yeah. we get to sit down with your, your boys. I'm Murray. <laughs> and I'm Mitch. And uh, yeah, welcome to Banter. We've got a bit of a treat today as we jump into where are you casting your nets, Mitch? Mm. I was not there in person, but was blessed yeah. to hear the uh, the sermon after the fact. Thanks for the, the fine message on oh, Sunday. Thank you. It's uh, really, really cool. As always, uh, managing to yeah um, reveal new intertextual references mm. in the in the Bible. And I loved uh, some of those things that you had to point out, which we can talk about in a little bit. But uh, before we dive Dive into it. Excuse the not great pun. Um, how's, how's sail last... into it. We should say that. Oh, sail, sail into, into it. it. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. We'll see if it's a net game. Um, how's your last seven days been? Uh, yeah. Can't complain. Mm. The week has flown by. Yeah. We're recording on a Thursday, which is a bit later than usual. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like yesterday was Monday. <laughs> and yesterday was Wednesday. I'm like, oh, where'd my week go? Like, yeah. It just is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So it's been fast and efficient, I'd like to say. Hey, <laughs> they, they seem like two good words. Uh, <laughs> how was your holiday? It was great, mate. Yeah, yeah. went down to Jaringong for a few nights. I um, I was actually, I don't know, just further proof that our phones are listening to us. I had this hilarious little Insta short pop-up, I think maybe while I was away or after I'd just come back. It was this stand-up comedian talking about how um, people told me how hard it would be to have kids. And it is. No one warned me in advance how hard it is to have to watch your parents parent your kids. <laughs> so I think it was an interesting experience because this was the longest that we had been together with my dad and okay. some of my, you know, my brother and stepsisters and stuff. And yeah, they just all have different styles of parenting George when they're you know look after him so wanting to encourage them to <laughs> invest and build those relationships but at the same time being like ah oh, okay not. you're gonna do that okay okay <laughs> so yeah I had to suddenly get a bit more strict when we were in the pool because I was like no you can't just like throw him in the pool yes. <laughs> we're trying to teach him pool safety <laughs> or like don't encourage him to like climb up that rock to jump yeah, in yeah. like so yeah that was i think the only time but i we actually we went to a plane museum plane museum that sounds yeah very interesting look i, I think george definitely found it the most mm. fun of the three of us but yeah it was uh an old a380 um mm. big Qantas plane that we got to go up mm. into went up into first class i say Ooh. in inverted commas because i feel like <laughs> That first class from the 80s, I think, yeah. is, I'm pretty sure, just business class now. Because yeah, okay. I've flown international business class yeah, yeah, once because yeah. we just got upgraded. Yep. And I was like, this just feels like business class. Mm. And I've heard that these days, first class, you get your own room and everything. So, yeah, yeah we experienced 80s first class okay, lounge, cool. which is, yeah, did, didn't feel as special as oh. maybe your own room. But, that yeah, what's what's the uh, the highest level you've ever flown? You ever gone business? Economy. Economy. <laughs> I my um mum's mum's old husband, he worked for Qantas. Okay. So we got that priority yeah, upgrade cool. if there were any free seats. So the only upgrade I ever had was when Rach was a travel agent and we'd finished our mission trip to Laos. We spent some time in Thailand just to kind of yeah. have a bit of a holiday. Yeah. And she knew the owner or manager of some hotel just yeah. through he'd come to Australia anyway. We came in, she said her name and the 
concierge. That's the word, isn't it? Concierge sure, of yeah, the hotel. Yeah, right. yeah. he good. saw a name. And goes, oh, you've been upgraded to the penthouse. So oh. we got the penthouse of this right. like pretty fancy hotel. So that was really cool. But that's probably about it. Nah. Hey, come on. I, I, I've I've flown Jetstar or yeah, Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you ever flown Ryanair? Uh, uh yeah, we did in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Irish. That's Irish one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah dude, they, that like, was the cheapest flights in the world. Yeah, uh, literally <laughs> was only for like from from like England to Ireland. It was just like the plane went up, plane went down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. I think Ryanair are now looking into um, how they can have standing. Oh, I heard um, about that actually. To yeah. try and save oh, money. Awesome. Yeah, to make your Why flight even that? cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I would so, do that. Look, what do you guys hour flight? Like, oh, what's the big deal? I mean, like, look, I like stand up on a train for yeah, an hour. Like, so, why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, particularly like in, particularly in Europe where flights are so, like, yeah, you like I remember that flight literally just felt like we went up and then yeah. just down yeah. and it was over. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, even if the, if the plane goes down on a lot of those European flights, you've got land underneath. Just find a field. Just land it. Well, no, we are. Yeah, really, really loved uh, your sermon. I think that one thing that which was really cool was a passage which I'm sure a lot of us are quite familiar with. Mm. um, You know, this story of of Peter um, being called. And I think that there's one really uh, interesting thing which you pulled out of it is how much textual allusions there are to the Old Testament. Mm. Um, If we're going to kind of go chronological. Logically, yes. <laughs> through the text allusions, yeah. um, that that Genesis allusion of deep yeah. water, that was something which I'd sort of never clocked before. Yeah. Um, I know speaking to you off air, you mm. had sort of mentioned maybe the first commentary that you read yeah, that said it. Like, You're mm, skeptical. Yeah, I just was like, oh, is it kind of drawing a long bow? Which mm. sounds funny for someone that loves drawing bows through the yeah, Old yeah, Testament, yeah. but yeah, as I kept reading, just kept finding like, yeah, again and again, lots of references to. And that made sense. I was like, oh, Luke's wouldn't just add things in that, like, accidentally. Yeah. Um, one thing with both Old Testament and New Testament narratives, they're very brief. They are not like like a modern novel, which gives you lots of details and yeah. how characters are thinking and feeling. It's just when something's described, there's a, there's a reason for this. And yeah. so, yeah, and particularly how galilean like first century fishing was was he did it at night and he did it in the shallow water that's where the fish were so this yeah reference to the deep water it's like well there's no fish Mm. in the deep water there they'd be gone because it's the daytime and so that's where you get the shellfish that jews can't eat anyway it's like well and so yeah and just this idea that well if god created the world by his spirit hovering over the deep waters which was the ancient way the the saw the world before it was like formed was it was just a big ocean of mm. full of chaos monsters and darkness mm. and god speaks and life begins it's a way to appointing to jesus sovereignty or the creation that well go over to the deep waters mm. and i will bring life mm. and so yeah i just found that really cool like in this sort of narrative which of which it, it's important call to mission but mm. I think that's often they just read and say, hey, leave behind the nets and go follow Jesus. But actually seeing there's so much depth and richness to mm. this and how, yeah, each, look, obviously like Matthew's the most Jewish gospel, but each like gospel author is showing how Jesus fulfilling scripture. Mm. And like it's, yeah, like a weave that's throughout. And so, yeah, I just found that really cool. And I think... um. Uh, yeah, I've kind of often talk about stories of the Bible with my kids. It seems like I've had some really because like they're just like kids' videos, and yeah. it was earlier on. So when we we're kind of getting this 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 series ready, and watched it one night, I was just 
deeply, deeply challenged by it. it. Just because I just sort of was like, do I actually trust in Jesus that much? Mm. And yeah, it just kept playing in my head like all night about this idea of like, well, what's the equivalent of my deep waters? Mm. Where am I casting my nets? And it's yeah, I think this is one of the things with um the gospel is so easy to read this and go, yeah, okay, cool. That makes sense. That's Jesus. But no, that, that wouldn't work in my context. Well, my context is totally different to that. And it's like, well, actually, that's why I kind of broke it down, like those two like problems about yeah. shallow water and the daytime. It's like, yeah. well, this is like, this is stupid. Like no one would do this. And yeah. I think in our modern world, there's things like, well, that's dumb. Why would you do that? That's not going to work. And it's mm. like, well, actually, if God's calling, if Jesus is calling you to, cast your net into that deep water at a mm. ridiculous time when people say it won't work he can still do that he can mm. still bring life and so yeah for me it's that trust of oh okay i might have been fishing all night i know what i'm doing i'm the mm. expert here but i'm going to trust in you lord and so yeah i found it like for me personally super humbling and a big challenge for particularly like our vision forward for this year of 24 and 24 mm. and just running this place like mm. there's yeah it's easy to kind of feel overwhelmed and like ah, there's just so many moving parts and actually going well you know what we're going to trust that we're casting our net and you're going to provide lord and so yeah and look the sort of fruit of that was sunday we had three people go yeah i want to be baptized well okay we've gone from two mm. to five like mm. that's sort of part of it's this awesome. stepping out and trusting in the lord and so yeah that's what for me i found is like yeah of course it's a big part about going out and be fishers of men but mm. i see like peter is it's his faith that he recognizes something deeper about jesus and so that's what i find super challenging for me mm. and walking there that the same jesus that well, John equates him to the one that created the world. So the same, same Jesus whose word brings life mm. at creation. He did it for Peter, James and John that day, and he can still do it for us. So um, cool. Mm. Um, while we're kind of talking about this idea of daytime, mm. you know, deep, or deep mm. waters instead of shallow waters, um, did you want to speak a little bit about what it would have meant for them as well to have left their life of fishing because yeah. I think we can probably understand it from an mm. occupation point of view yes. you know if Jesus was to walk up into you know someone's office into you know the accounting department and go hey like leave your job of accounting and come okay. follow me or whatever mm. I think people can appreciate um, that vulnerability mm. uh, that people would be putting themselves into to just drop everything and go and follow Jesus um, but maybe what are some more mm. cultural implications yeah. that we don't appreciate on surface level yeah. with what Peter and, and James and John sons of Zebedee yeah. who's also a fisherman <laughs> uh, be doing They're doing so this article is from a guy called KC Hansen it's called the Galilean fishing economy and the Jesus tradition mm. so there you go so this is you know <laughs> says it on the box it does <laughs> it's exciting stuff but um and so I'm just going to read sort of part of this article and go, he says, if fishing was an important part of the economy, um, it was not, he says, free enterprise, which modern readers might think. So it wasn't like they just started it. This, um, they may have owned their own boats, but it was part of a state-regulated elite profiteering yeah, enterprise. Mm -hmm. But it was based on relatives, relatives in kinship ties. And so, yeah, the fact is this is a family-run business mm. it would have been in the family for generations mm. and yeah th this is sort of something that we don't probably really get here in the west is that say my dad was a banker and, and a train driver now 
EXO, if we were kind of back in the day, the expectation was if dad was still in the bank, I would become a banker. Mm. That, that you would keep the family line going, that like this mm. is part of the family business. Yeah. And so to step away from that, it's almost like spitting in the face yeah. of your ancestors. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is like, yeah, the first century is very vulnerable yeah. to, yeah, famine, disease, warfare, a whole bunch of things. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. keeping, and keeping like, well, it's a very Jewish thing. Like the the whole point of genealogies was to keep your your name alive. That's how you live forever, so to speak, by having sons, by having children, having lots of children. Like yeah. that's how you kept your name going. And so, to walk away from that, it's yeah. deeply shocking mm. to yeah the the yeah. ancient audience that shows just the the demand that Jesus has. And what what I really liked about this article, it's a little bit nerdy <laughs> and a bit dry, is that. Yeah, he's saying how the fishermen, so even though um, Zebedee would have owned his own fishing business, they mm. would have had to pay substantial taxes to tax collectors and to the Roman Empire. And so it was, and so in a way too, he's saying it's also like a political statement that that a huge abundant of fish they would have caught would have made them wealthy, but also would have made Caesar very wealthy sure. in extension by paying taxes. And now Jesus is like, well, you're not fishing for Caesar anymore actually fishing for a new kingdom mm. kingdom of god and in a sense like jesus has become the new family for them and mm. so that's a summary of a 26 page article yeah. but i found that just super helpful it's like yeah i kind of just think oh yeah they left their boats and yeah whatever like zebedee would just got new employers like yeah. well no yeah yeah no worries boys <laughs> yeah. best of luck you know like people quit the center of time like oh you mm. know i've finished my uni grand graduate oh, okay yep no worries bye like yeah for sure we're like yeah whatever you just get someone employ someone new but mm. Yeah, like back then, it's like, what? You've just ruined the family business. Like, yeah. it's a huge, huge thing. And so, yeah, that's what I find like just, I think, helpful for us to remember that, that these family ties are yeah. so important and that yeah. the significance of Jesus calling yeah. and shifting political allegiances, so to speak, are no longer fishing to help Caesar out mm. and line his pockets, but yeah. King Jesus and lining his pocket, so to speak, yeah. with people to yeah. kill his kingdom. Um, I mean, look, I think as much as in our modern age, um, people can still, I suppose, ha- get too much of their identity from their jobs. Mm. It is, I think, helpful to understand just how much these young men were giving up. Um, you know, they were sort of, in, in some ways, letting go of some family ties and obligations. Mm. They were letting go of, you know, a lot more economic security because mm. I think, you know, in this day and age, it's a lot, although it can be difficult, it's a lot easier to just go and find another job. You just yeah. go, on, go on seek, you yeah. know, find something else. Um, but, yeah, that sort of deeply imperial comment as well and Mm. i think that's something which i need to always be reminding myself when i'm in the gospels of that over you know lurking presence of the roman empire that is really lost for me a lot of the time as i'm reading the Gospels. well in hansen's article he actually has a a diagram which starts (laughs) with augustus like tiberius caligula so the emperors at the time and sort of works down to how like the social structure would have built and it's just yeah i guess it's important to remember that that the Judah was essentially a territory yeah. under the Roman Emperor, which had like its own autonomy in a sense. Like sure. they could, so there was a deal made where oh, we wouldn't sacrifice to Caesar, but just do a prayer yeah. on behalf of him. Yeah. But yeah, like he, like it's just a helpful kind of reminder that yeah, this is the overarching world. Which mm. um, yeah, I say this to people, and it's a bit of a 
Well, some people would know what I'm talking about, but in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, mm. when um, you know, people would put the answer in, lock it in Eddie. Yeah. And so, like, it's something that I'd often say with people when you make plans, I'll oh, lock it in Eddie. But if I said it to people that are 10 years younger, mm. they'd have no idea what I'm talking about. I said, lock it in Eddie. they go, what? Like, yeah. And so that's a cultural reference, which, you know, is only 20 something years old and yeah. even starting to lose meaning. We're yep. talking like. <laughs> thousand years <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah you totally. can lose that so yeah so good. it's so important good. to keep that in yeah. mind yeah mm. and then as we sort of can continue with these <clears throat> pardon me um into intertextual sort mm. of illusions um you you pointed out some really fascinating stuff with the zyre as well now obviously um yeah the the usual sort of things that we think about well that i, I, I think mm. about i won't lump everyone in my <laughs> basket um, <clears throat> when it comes to fulfillment of desire in the Gospels is fulfillment through Jesus. Mm. But this is something really interesting yeah. that it's not just almost Jesus that's being tied into this story mm. here, um, which I think is quite powerful in and of itself. Yeah. But yeah, th- this moment of Isaiah's own calling. Mm. Um, I might just quickly read yeah, out yeah, yeah. Isaiah 6, 5 to mm. 8. Um, so yeah, this is sort of Isaiah's calling right at the start um, yeah, of, of the book of Isaiah. So, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Mm. So, yeah, some really interesting things there tying into Peter in this moment, interestingly enough. Mm. yeah, what, what, what is the significance of that in this moment? Because I think a lot of the time we do think of Isaiah being fulfilled by Jesus, yeah. um, but somewhat indirectly Peter's being yeah. brought into Can this you, story as well. Yeah, um, so in Isaiah, Isaiah's obviously called to go and prophesy to yeah. the Israelites about, yeah, for the first part, definitely talking about the Assyrian crisis, mm. so what's going to happen and God's sort of handover. And he also looks into the future. In the second part mm. of the book from chapter forty. Onwards, um, we talked about this the other week about yeah talking to the exiles in Babylon. Yeah, and so part of that too. Yeah, there's particularly in the second part of Isaiah. There's like you will be Isaiah talks about like being God's witnesses for what's going to happen. How good are the for those who bring good news? Mm. So there's this idea in Isaiah that there will be messengers, representatives of God, who will pass on this good news. Mm. And so what I find really really interesting with the Isaiah and Peter like there's similarities and differences like Isaiah would have seen a vision yeah but the the reaction is exactly the same so Isaiah sees Yahweh's glory on this sort of throne coming mm. through and the chain, train of his robe fills the mm. temple with glory and there's mm. the seraphim there with their six wings crying holy 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 and his response is like whoa which is like really really negative word in Hebrew like sure. it's just almost like curse upon himself like yeah. he hasn't done anything wrong sure and what's actually cool about Isaiah is that the first five chapters that start with prophecy mm. and then chapter six is his calling. Mm. And so I remember reading a commentary which reckons that like Isaiah did that almost as like a strange way to connect him with, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Like we've re- read five chapters of Isaiah's mm. prophecy. And so it's sort of out of order deliberately to make a point that even though I'm speaking God's words, 
I'm still like unclean. Mm. Like my mouth is so defiled. And even as I said, so, like your righteous deeds are like filthy rags. And so just making his real contrast, even doing wrong with just his presence around Yahweh's holiness is like, mm. yeah, I'm just totally ruined. I am yeah. a man. God's going to wipe me out. And so that forgiveness. And so then you've got this moment with Jesus in human form as mm. Yahweh. Like, and Peter recognizing that, like, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. There's this fear. And yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's this sort of Mitch sort of drawing stuff out. But yeah. I just find it interesting that Jesus on a boat over the water. It's almost like that boat becomes like this throne, so mm. to speak, when, yeah, um, Isaiah sent out by Yahweh from his throne to go and proclaim the gospel. Mm. And now Jesus on this much, much less impressive throne, so to mm. speak, on this boat on the ocean in human form mm. without like the glory raiding out him. Peter's able to recognize that. And yeah, like even though Peter like recognizes his sinfulness, Jesus never says, oh, don't worry. But well, he, yeah, well, he doesn't forgive him like yeah. as I does with the coals. But that said, don't worry. From now on, you'll fish for people. It's a similar mm. sort of like assurance of like, no, despite your sinfulness, I'm going to use you to fish for people, mm. to be sent out to mm. proclaim the good news. So, mm. yeah, I just find that just really, really interesting in how, yeah, God works throughout. And just the power of Jesus. It's you know easy to sort of think about jesus being like a man but peter seeing beyond that mm-hmm. and like he's god in flesh mm-hmm. and that's someone to be highly highly feared and yeah respected. i mm. think it's that tightrope isn't it that we always want to constantly be recorrecting of jesus mm. being 100 percent man yeah <laughs> and 100 percent god mm. i think there's this really beautiful moment where um <clears throat> you know the, the curtain sort of gets pulled away yeah. And, and Peter sees the heavenly yeah, reality yeah. of the man who's standing yeah. right in front of him. Yeah. Um, really powerful that yeah, this is not just a special moment for Peter mm. in the way of his calling, the beginning of his ministry, um, but also a real honoring of Christ mm. and who he is as God. Um, and in, in that moment, both of them are being in their own ways, um, obviously Jesus more so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, elevated to it to yeah. in, in a way um and yeah. it's interesting there's um so the word curios lord mm. is used in the greek like old testament translation to this, in this as i passage to yeah. describe yahweh and so when peter's like get away from me lord there's mm. meant to be yeah a reference to that you're meant to think okay he's recognizing jesus as mm. god mm. in that sense just like Isaiah recognized yahweh mm. as the one true god which is a crazy thing to say <laughs> like yeah, in, yeah, the, in yeah, that yeah. moment, yeah. Um, like yeah, it's um, y- y- you know, I-, I think that there's sometimes a yeah. Again, we just sort of because we become immersed in these stories, we sort of miss almost how much of a scandalous you know thought that that would be mm. in that moment for Peter to you know the skeptic could say have a really lucky fish suddenly like yeah. you know oh good fluke yeah yeah <laughs> you yeah. know you told me to put my put my net out in a yeah. unlikely time in an unlikely place and there happened to be a bunch of fish there mm. like great um and suddenly see god yeah there like i think it's a challenge for me for how am i seeing god moving in mm. the in the day to day 
and mm. how much am I recognizing God and how much am I mm. honoring God in those moments? Um, because I think the skeptic could very easily just go like, oh, that crazy guy yelled out to me and yep. yeah, got a lucky fish. Like, thanks, mate. Like, appreciate yeah. it. Um, but yeah, seeing the way that God moves even in our day to day, obviously not in an incarnate Jesus, mm. but through his spirit. Um, yeah, I think a good challenge because I think it's very easy for us to just sort of, you know, s- strike things off. Yeah. As oh, well, it was a coincidence. Yeah. Well, I was lucky. Yeah. yeah um, what, what, definitely more Old Testament narrative, but I remember reading, I can't remember who it was, some author saying, God's always the unseen character. Mm. So that's how you're meant to always read him. So yeah. when you read events, they may, God may not be referenced directly, mm. but you're meant to see God's hand at work. Mm. And so, like Moses, when he's put into the the Nile River as a baby, mm-hmm. you meant to see, well, God's hand was upon him. It wasn't yeah. just an, wasn't just, oh, let's chuck him in and hope for the yeah. best. It's like well, God Pharaoh's was there. daughter was yeah, yeah. That's baby. like you're meant to yeah, read it yeah, as yeah. like, well, God's hand was over that whole situation. Yeah, and yeah. So why not? Why God may not be referenced directly? You meant to walk away from that and go, okay, yeah, like God's mm. hand was on Moses' life. Mm. So. Yeah. And then finally, there's this really interesting, I mean, sort of eschatological mm. revelation in, in reference to Ezekiel. Um, did you want to read that one for us? Ezekiel yeah, yeah. 47, uh, 6 to 10. 47. Let me pull it up. Yeah, so this just the context around this Ezekiel's um, going through his heavenly temple vision. Mm. And so it's kind of drawing near the end and he's just yeah. seen the new temple. And from the temple is a little trickle river mm. flowing out and so i'll pick up here from verse six and it says here then he led me back to the bank of the river when i arrived there i saw a great number of trees on each side of the river he said to me this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the arabia where it enters the dead sea and as i mentioned on sunday dead sea is called the dead sea because nothing lives in it so yeah, yeah. <laughs> transforming the dead sea into something living yeah. when it empties into the sea the salty water there will become fresh swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows there will be a large there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh so where the river flows everything will live fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engalam and there will be places for spreading nets the fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea I don't see any parallel I think you're just (laughs) clutching at straws (laughs) in this one yeah, I mean, I mean, just yeah. as a first note, really interesting that it's sort of um, echoing the start of Isaiah and the end of Ezekiel at the same time. Yeah, sort of, yeah. You know, the two ends, mm. the beginning and the end, <laughs> the, the Alpha yeah. and the Omega. Um, but yeah, what, what, what sort of things do you sort of see here? I mean, this yeah, is so. in some ways really the climax to Ezekiel. Mm. And part of this is too, it's about God. Because Ezekiel's written to the exiles in Babylon waiting to return. So they've, um, yeah, I think by the point of this prophecy, it's like 20 years into the exile. It's about yeah. 25 years after like Ezekiel's first calling yeah. around that time frame. So middle of Babylon, like wh- what's God's hope for us? Like, mm. what, Are we still his people? What do we do when there's no temple? Yeah. How do we worship? And so Ezekiel, interestingly enough, the third, te- the second temple, I should say, that was built, isn't designed like this one so mm. there's a bit of debate about whether this will be a later temple or a symbolic temple mm. and so but the point is of this temple vision is that god's presence will be back mm. that's what temples represent temple, temples represent god's yeah presence with his people yeah. and life and so yeah. yeah jerusalem he's talking about jerusalem 
is it will become like the source of blessing to yeah. the whole world and so um and so it has a lot of eden imagery mm. and so going to creation the idea the ancients had was that he had the deep sea then from out of the sea rose a mountain mm. which scholars call the world mountain it was the source of all life and if you read genesis you see hints that eden's the true world mountain so to speak because it's the place where you've got four rivers flowing that and if you read Genesis, it goes to the kind of the four corners of the earth, so to speak. It blesses the whole world with this river. And so the idea being here is that now the temple in Jerusalem will be the source of life and blessing and wholeness. And yeah, what I love about this image is it's just so earthly. There's trees there. And in Revelation, when the New Jerusalem, we're told that there... Well, there's no temple there because the Lamb mm. is a temple. But there's trees. Yeah. There's a river flowing through the city. Yeah. It's the similarities and a little bit differences. But yeah, Ezekiel showing that God's intention is to restore this world. Mm. The the promise land that the Israelites enter in is to, like, in many ways described like a new Eden. It's mm. like if there's if the Israelites are beating there'll be abundant harvest, there'll be no famine, no disease. Yeah, it's it's a paradise. Mm. And now this is the true paradise that the land of Canaan was supposed to be, um, from the time of well, really from the time of Abraham was <laughs> was sure. called, right? This is like the intention. This is what everything's been building up to. And yeah. so yeah, and that image, I love how it says the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. It's like, mm. well, you, you guys know what the Mediterranean Sea is full of, like this yeah. river here, it's going to be even greater than that, and mm. it's going to be sustaining to life. And so, so there's two places where Jesus um, provides abundant fish, Luke 5 and then John 21 yeah. after his resurrection. And so, yeah, and I, I just drawing on that, you, you can see here that Jesus is, pointing to this time of abundance of mm. this new messianic age mm. um yeah and it's yeah there's multiple times in the gospels where jesus provides lots of food mm. you know, feeding the five thousand feeding the four thousand just these moments here to show that when the kingdom arrives there will be abundance mm. um, yeah life in first century Palestine was difficult. <laughs> you didn't just go to the fridge to get No, you, you know, <clears throat> if you're a subsistence farmer, yeah. you relied upon, yeah. you prayed for rain. Yeah. I hope that you would have crops to eat or to sell. If you're a fisherman, mm. like the night, and like that night would have been devastating to them. To, to fish all night and have no, I was like, okay, yeah. now we have no food yeah. today. We have no money. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, yes. Yeah. You're yeah. sort of living like literally. Like when Jesus says something out, you know, give yeah. us today our daily bread. Yeah. Like this is sort of how people lived was you just... Hand to mouth. Yeah, hand to mouth. That was yeah. exactly. And so to have this harvest, it, mm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to calculate. Like you, no, no, I haven't been able to f work out any figures, but the fact <laughs> yeah. that the boats were sinking, this is showing that yeah. this was a huge yeah. abundant harvest. And yeah. What Jesus is pointing to is like it's a signpost to use NT mm. writes word there. This is a sign of what the kingdom will be like. And yeah. Ezekiel spoke about the temple that flows, that river of blessing, and mm. yeah, and Jesus is that temple. Mm. And so it makes sense from him mm. there's life and wholeness. And um yeah, I read a book by a guy called Tyler Yoda called Fishes of Fish, and it went through sort of the Old Testament references to fishing, and he is the one who made the point. 
because um, I'm not smart enough to, to know this. <laughs> You're very smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's like, this is the only time in the Bible where like a reference to fish or nets isn't negative. It's not a sign of judgment. It's not a sign of um, yeah, God sort of judging his people mm. or the nations or mm. yeah. And here it's like it's something, and that's what and Jesus is doing. He's taking that fishing imagery and mm. oh, where is it? Jeremiah chapter two, like it's this idea that oh, uh, yeah. He, the fishing image like fishing imagery that Jeremiah is negative mm. Jesus is transforming that to go okay mm. now you're going to go out and fish for people in mm. my kingdom and there's going to be blessing and wholeness and so mm. I suppose like whenever there's a blessing of the kingdom there comes a judgment because people reject God's word but the idea being that I really yeah find comforting is that as the church yeah we're going to face heartache and trials mm. but we're meant to be pointing people to the Jesus that brings an abundant harvest mm. and that abundant harvest is in places where we think there is no life mm. and that's the sort of upside down nature mm. of the kingdom and so there's um yeah yeah and there's a few other in the book I had just a couple of references to this transformation of Zion or Jerusalem like it says there in Isaiah 33 20 to 21 Jerusalem become like a port city so this idea mm. of like a city around water that's that was important yeah. in the ancient world because that's where you get strong economy yeah. which a lot of cities are built because if you've got boats you can yeah. engage in trade and so it's, totally. it's tapping into these images of like well Jerusalem's a port city then it's become like a world leader a world power it's a way of just trying to think of the modern equivalent you know like you know having yeah. a a city with lots of skyscrapers and good highways. Yeah. It's a city that's you know, yeah, a good airport. Yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah, that yeah. like you can yeah. get lots of commercial trade. It's yeah. a way of saying that of like, well, okay, um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a place that's of abundance mm. and of stability. Mm. Which, you know, in, in a world where there wasn't a whole lot of stability mm. or assurance, that's mm. deeply comforting. So, mm. yeah, that's that's sort of that cool um, Ezekiel reference there mm. is and jesus tapping into that so hmm. i love um the point that you make that you would have been pretty crestfallen especially like as a professional fisherman who let's be real like <laughs> yeah. would have known the spots would have mm. known the best way to cast the net would have known you know all all of the things to do having gone out fishing all night mm. there's two thoughts i think of one the time I went fishing with my dad for one hour and we <laughs> caught nothing and yeah. how crestfallen I was. So how absolutely devastated <laughs> these guys must have been. That's not true. I caught a, what was it? A, a puffer fish, a toad fish. Oh, uh, yeah, cut, yeah. Cut my yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. So not only did I not catch any fish, I lost a hook. But yeah. I think that um, there's a, a deeper thing that comes out of there. I can't help but think what you were talking about before with, you know, God's hand being over Moses, even as mm. he was cast down the river by mm. his mother. I wonder how much God was almost holding back the fish that time yeah. so that his full, you know, yeah. sort of glory could be revealed in that moment. Mm. And I sometimes wonder in our own lives when we feel like we've been casting our nets out all night and not been catching mm. any fish, how much, you know, if, if we really believe that we worship a sovereign God who's in control over everything, mm. how much, although it might not make sense in the moment, mm 
catching no fish all night might be part of a bigger plan yeah. for God's story yeah. and recognizing that the current moment that we're in, the, the very second that we're in right now, is only one mm. scene of a much bigger story that God is authoring. Um, I find that really encouraging because mm. I think that so often we you know, can equate God's flourishing and God's abundance and God's prosperity to what am I experiencing and tasting and seeing mm. right now in this very moment? Mm. And it's like, well, hold on. Like, like all Love. good stories, <laughs> there's highs and lows. Yeah. And what is God doing in the broader mm. narrative of this moment of this, you know, your life of a mm. church's life of the life of, you know, the Christian faith. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that it's it's encouraging for all of us to know that even, you know, someone like Peter, the, you know, the yeah, founding, yeah. you know, sort of pastor mm. and, and pope of the of the mm, church. Yeah. Um, yeah, had these moments of disappointment, mm. which led towards great fruit for the kingdom, great is, catch for the kingdom. Which is why I love that George um, Muller quote so much. Of, mm. We must thank God for the empty purse, for it gives him the opportunity to fill it. Mm. And if you know anything about George Muller, guy, yeah, prayed a lot and saw a lot of yeah. God's blessing. Um, yeah. yeah, there's one story when I kind of was researching a bit where his wife came in. Um, so this is when they had the, or- the orphanage and his wife came and said, oh, we're out of milk. There isn't enough for the morning oatmeal. And so George was like, okay, sits down and they just pray. And then, yeah, in the morning, there was money there enough to buy milk. So mm. like he saw mm. all like these yeah. moments of emptiness as a way to like, yeah, okay, yeah. let's, uh, let's yeah. see how God's going to like work yeah. through this yeah. and see his blessing in that. Yeah. Uh, so that the one with the the cart broke down, like right in front of their orphanage with the milk, and the guy was like, "Oh, we've got all this milk. It's yeah, going to go yeah, off. yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> we've oh, got to get it inside. Yeah, like, okay, uh, <laughs> thank yeah, you, guys. Like, and he's got heaps, yeah. like hundreds of yeah. stories yeah, of yeah. that, and that's sort of yeah. how he, yeah, yeah. Which again, for that milkman that day, his wheel getting busted. That's that's a real bummer. Yeah. the way that God <laughs> used that <laughs> for the gl- the glory of George Mueller and his yeah. wife's orphanage. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's so, um. You know, you know, you never know. Sometimes you've got to zoom out to maybe what yeah, God is doing. What I'm, sure, I'm sure the milkman didn't feel particularly blessed that day, <laughs> but God was still using that moment. Yeah. Um, I, I want to just spend one one moment before we wrap mm. up on this idea of, um, I guess, Jesus and God mm. subverting images, yeah. um, because it sounds like this is sort of what it is done with the nets here mm. it's also sort of what's done with the cross like yeah. an image of death of shame mm. um, of punishment mm. uh, which is transformed into a symbol of life yeah. of forgiveness of you know hope and and honor um, when we start looking at the way that God and Jesus's ministry continues to subvert these images. What does this say for the way that we are to engage in the world? Because I think that so often with us um, as a, you know, wider church, um, there are things that we put in the basket of innately bad mm. and things that we put in the basket of innately good. Mm. Um, and I was in a really interesting class this week where um, we were talking about this idea of being cultural critics, again, something mm. that we spoke about the other week, um, ironically, in banter, um, but how we've got to be careful not to take um, a posture towards all culture um, of mm. critique or condemnation. 
Mm. Um, but how we should more have specific gestures that we take on to different things. So rather than just being completely against the world in everything and constantly critiquing mm. and condemning, saying, hey, what are things that we can actually commend? Yeah. Like what's something that we can see which can be redeemed through the goodness mm. of God, be redeemed through mm. the goodness of you know God's people? Yeah. Um, how can we be more open to that? How can we look mm. at the way that Jesus did this and took so many things, you know, kind yeah. of picking grain on the Sabbath, mm. you know, having a, you know, woman who was probably a sex worker washing his feet yep. with perfume. What what does that inform the way that we live our lives and how can we live with more mm. open minds and open hearts in a world that has so many symbols which are distorted and broken? Yeah, that's a great question. I wish I had a good answer. Um, I think part of it would be to... Well, one thing that kind of came to mind, I think of like, yeah, sort of the woke movement. Yeah. Or like, and so, yeah, at its core, I see it as about justice. Mm. So it wants justice for racial inequality mm. and kind of all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, but it removes Jesus. And so mm. in a sense, they're looking at like, okay, what parts can be redeemed about that? Mm. And where can... So if we're looking at it from a cultural point of view, I see it as like ways to build bridges. Mm. So you could go, okay, we, that's called okay. agree that justice is important. Yeah. So let's sort of, yeah, try to try to find that part. I suppose how do you come to that place of being able to, yeah, that's, yeah, that requires a huge personality shift. Like mm. if you see the world in black and white and mm. this thing is inherently evil, that's not just going to change with a flip of a switch, mm. unfortunately. But I would say one thing, contextualizing the the gospel narratives and put in characters of people that you don't like, kind of what you did with the parable of the Good Samaritan mm. last week about identifying, okay, yeah, if, yeah, Jesus called a tax collector and mm. they were the hated enemies. Mm. Like, it's, like, like the disciples is the most... And you've probably a lot of Christians heard this, the most ragtag bunch of people. But, mm. okay, let's put the tax collector as, you know, a, a lefty wokey. Yeah. Like, let's just go with that, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. use that term. And, you know, Peter, James and John as a right-wing Republican. Like, yeah. somehow Jesus takes these people. Like, there's, yeah, fishermen, yeah. zealots, tax collectors. And we kind of yeah. say, oh, and it, it seems very abstract, Sure. In that sense of like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, Jesus, like the woman washed his yeah, feet. Oh, well, that's what, you know, that's lovely and that's yeah. compassion. Oh, but that person, that person's filthy and disgusting. And yeah. and so I would start with that if you're serious about going on this process of, going, well, who who can I put into place? of Okay, when Jesus hang out with sinners and tax collectors, mm-hmm. what are the sinners and tax collectors that yeah. I see? Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it can be easy to think, oh, well, they are beyond saving. David mm. Platt in his book which one was it Radical yeah I think it's Radical oh. anyway it doesn't matter David Platt I know yeah. it was David Platt who said it and he said oh he's talking about missions work and particularly in the Middle East and he said afterwards this is an American church he goes oh look pastor I think it's God should just wipe them out <laughs> like that was sort yeah. of like oh they're so evil yeah, yeah. they're beyond redemption which and to me sounds like James and John casting yeah, down you know, thunder from heaven on the Samaritans <laughs> yeah look look, and uh, like I, it's kind of in my head because I'm preparing finishing up the final like small group studies yeah. where we're looking at 1 Peter and yeah particularly chapter 2 Jesus says you know you need to walk in 
as Jesus walked, like Jesus steps and when he was condemned, he you know, didn't retaliate and mm. sort of just paraphrasing it. Yeah, that's not our response to injustice. Yeah. We want to scream and get revenge yeah. and anger. And it's like, well, this is actually what... And, Jesus, and Peter's talking about the context of slaves. Like, well, if you're going to be mistreated, do it for being a Christian, essentially. And yeah. just kind of, in a way, saying, suck it up. Like, actually kind of rejoice in this because this is how Jesus was treated. So yeah. you're not being treated any differently to how the master was. Yeah. And, yeah, and so I think... And we all have blind spots, but... And I am guilty of this too. I'll see certain types of people and think, ugh, like I don't kind of want them in my life. But it's like, yeah. well, actually, they're the people that Jesus called and they're the people that Jesus wants to transform and touch. Like no one's outside mm. of salvation. The yeah. Christian isn't just a middle class person. It's all yeah. types of people. Um, yeah. yeah. Getting stories of the Bible. It's uh, Get on stories of the Bible, guys, if you haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> in the, um, we were watching the other, other night the parable of the um, banquets, so the one where yeah. Jesus, he's equating it to like, yeah. you know, the the host has invited the Israelites, that's meant to be the Jews, yeah, and yeah, they've yeah. rejected the invitation, so yeah. go get the Gentiles. And just that, and they, in in the picture, in the story, they contextualize it for obviously America, and the, the, the guy's inviting like, you know, typical wealthy kind of people and yeah. they're rejecting and then yeah. they go out in the streets and they just have one of the guys he invites is someone with like a mohawk yeah. and blue hair and I'm like yeah like that's that's the type of people like yeah like they contextualise it so well of like yeah. yeah these are sort of like the people yeah. that we would see as the outcasts of the yeah, type yeah, of yeah. people yeah. that Jesus wants to welcome and so yeah yeah but like I said earlier they, they, these things if you're serious about it yeah just I would start contextualizing scripture mm-hmm. and putting in people that you struggle with. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember I wrote down years ago when the Lord convicted me about this, the blood of Jesus is not exclusive. Mm. Like, yeah, Jesus' blood is for all people. Mm. Like he's washed all people's sin away, not just the people that I think, are, yeah. <laughs> just the people who think like me and yeah. who kind of have committed the sort of sins that I did and can find forgiveness. It's mm. for all people. And that and yeah. that is the scandal of the gospel. And yeah. I'm rambling on. But lastly, no, Mir- Miroslav Wolf in his book, um, um, Receiving and Forgiving, oh, I can't remember the name of the title, but like, it's about forgiveness. And he, because Miroslav Wolf um, being from yeah, Croatian during the Bosnian War. He was talking to someone that fled from Fidel Castro's mm. sort of regime. Mm. And she asked him if Castro asked the Lord for forgiveness, would he forgive? Mm. And he's like, yes. And she goes, well, I want nothing to do with him then. Yeah. And I've had a few people say that. And I was like, well. Yeah. And he's like, well, that is the scandal. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus' forgiveness yeah, is yeah, offered yeah. to all people. <clears throat> it's not yeah. just to like, yeah. And yeah. so that, and I think for some people that can be really hard to grasp. They're happy yeah. for God to forgive a certain type of person. Yeah. And I think we all fall into this trap. I'm not just blaming others. No. Like, I can fall into this too. Yeah. And that's why I constantly need to be checked and reminded and rebuked by, yeah, God. It's God's spirit and his word. Mm. But yeah, that's, that is the scandalous nature is it's mm. open for all people. And that's really yeah, the, how the gospels are contextualized. You mentioned mm. the woman that washed Jesus' feet with her hair. Yeah. Like, that's just... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for those Jew, for those Pharisees in that room, that would just be the most horrific thing imaginable. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact that she's even in their presence is like what? Yeah. The fact that he allows her to touch him, what? Like, yeah. So yeah, just think of the stuff that makes you your stomach churn. It's like okay, like they're the people that we're meant to love. Yeah, and that's hard. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, which is why, as you said in your sermon, we love our enemies. Yeah, 
like that's the truth yeah. of that time. Yeah. Yeah. Love so, it, mate. Anyway, well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for the chat. And I think yeah. that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go away and just completely relish in Francesco Quirolo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, how do you make a net I know, out of it's marble? It's a phenomenal piece. The release of, from like, Deception by Francesco yeah. Quirolo. Um, yeah. yeah. I did get Angie to ask me how to say it, and she's like, Francesco. Yeah, this Quirolo. is the thing. Like, yeah. I feel like when Angie tells you how she to pronounce something so in good. Italian, you're going to sound racist if you say it the <laughs> yeah, way yeah. she did. Like, yeah, Francesco Quirolo. Yeah, she did it so well. It sounded so nice, and I just said, I'm just going to say it the Aussie way. Francesco yeah, Quirolo. <laughs> So good. Well, um, oh, before we head off, what's mm. um, what's a little teaser oh, so, for this Sunday? What's uh, so what this, are you sharing on? Um, so, title this term is how we use our treasure and framing it actually around um, anxiety. So, mm. when just so talking about when Jesus like don't you know don't worry about tomorrow yeah. or all that sort of from the Sermon on the Mount, but looking at because yeah, obviously Jesus went where your treasure is, your heart will be also, mm. and that idea of when you have treasure, you worry about it. But I think to looking at treasure more deeply, because it's easy just to say, well, don't worry about money, give your money, it'll be right. But I think we carry within us, all of us, an anxiety over certain things. Yeah. Um, and whether it be money and food, which is an issue for first century yeah. Yeah, Jews living so. But also us, like we might have anxiety over our job status, mm-hmm. over our appearance, mm-hmm. over what people think. And so, yeah, framing it around money will be part of it like how we use yeah. our treasure but actually going a bit deeper and like well mm. where our treasure is and that treasure is how we look yeah. how we're perceived by others then we get anxious over that and that's yeah. going to create and actually yeah the cure to anxiety is seeking first the kingdom so that's mm. 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 love it snapshot so yeah looking forward to it yeah mate. well thanks for the chat no worries thank you everyone we'll see you Sunday see you bye, bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.